Chapter 10 The Human Realm Today I come to inform you that the cats are in good spirits, but not quite I. Why I'm, I'm. Now who am I? You see, those cats knew exactly who they were, and even I was impressed by that. Their spirit was interwoven into the body of that which we call a cat. But as a human man, I'd become confused, because I'd already lived a good part of my life, and the system I'd been thrown into tossed me out, and now I felt used. From school to school, job to job, they threw us into a system and called us by a name. But why didn't anyone ever stop to examine what the hell we were doing? But who could we possibly blame? Everyone did as they were taught. But who taught them? This cycle seemed to have been going on for ages, and it was just now that I realized it was happening again and again. More kids are born, and so we toss them into educational systems. Meanwhile, no one knows exactly what life is all about, and so our schools do not teach actual wisdom. Rather, they taught me how to follow, how to obey, and how to work just like a machine. The goal was to study more, learn more, earn more, and so they did this by fueling my body with a drug called caffeine. I'd never been initiated, because no one told me how to become a man when I was still a boy. All the teachers, guidance counselors, and educators seemed to be concerned with making sure I completed the homework, passed the tests, and that way I could someday end up employed. Well, after I got a job, that work made me feel empty inside. Now I was upset because I realized I had unlimited potential within my spiritual center that I had barely ever applied. Oh, kismet. Just look at that little-tailed cat. He didn't say a word when he walked right along my legs and over my lap. Why, just a minute ago, he was cautious and watchful, but his awareness changed to be silly as if his spirit was directed by a new map. These changes in behavior were other archetypes, and so I watched his mood, methods, behaviors, and personality twist while he enjoyed himself with such delight. But I, I... I was pissed. No one told me how life really worked, and what was this shit? I'd spent my entire life thinking I was somebody going to work, and then you realize something like this? Our schools only seem to care about grades. They don't care about the purpose of life, and the employers only care about profit. They don't care about what's actually wrong from right. They'll cut down all the trees and slaughter all the animals for food just as long as it pleases their shareholders. Then they'll get a bigger house based on all the excess shit they've accrued. They'll even vote themselves to be the most ethical businesses of the year. And so these companies get big awards. Meanwhile, they've got slave labor in Africa, Asia, and all over the world as these countries wage war. But they don't understand this spiritual nature, even if they may market themselves as sustainable and ethical. They only seem to want more, more, and more. But this growth-obsessed mindset is despicable. They focus on future outcomes, never intent on where we are now. They'll cut down all the trees, pollute the rivers, and once we're totally fucked, I bet these corporate leaders will sit in their mansions and say, Oh well. 
And as the world falls apart, these corporations treat the world as if all the poor people are their employees. And only when the last tree has been cut down, the last fish caught, and the last stream poisoned, will we realize we cannot eat money. Listen, these layers we tap into, these are states of existence ranging from hell to God, and we humans can shift through them, but I have reason to believe these animals cannot. I'm not sure I understand this, and don't trust me because humans have been known to lie, but I think humans adapt to change different than any other creature, and this is a great risk and reward because I think our final state of mind could be set the moment we die. Then our spirit must deal with that layer, and I think this is why I was suddenly feeling quite afraid. I'm not even sure what this means, but whatever game these cats were in on, I did not want to play. Had I been betrayed, or had I betrayed this world? This cycle of suffering was terrible, and now an onset of anger began to swirl. Awareness rose through my emotions, then something in my mind got triggered. There I felt it nearly impossible to remain calm, and this realization was one I had never once considered. Could the human psyche reach to God one minute, then descend into hell or any of the others? The soul was on a spectrum of existence, manifesting in all shapes, varieties, and colors. But who was I? I was the one who suffered greatly and I might have been a fraud. I'd been caught in a spell and trapped in hell because I just realized that I was the furthest from a god. The cycle kept going on and on, but how come no one else seemed to know? I couldn't tell whether I clung to old ideas or if this was the pain of finally letting go. And who was that medicine man? For was it he or she who embodies the essence of mere-like primordial awareness? which reveals itself by means of the transformation of the all-base, since a mirror reflects with perfect clearness? This true nature, the essence of all phenomena, must then be a natural emptiness. However, relative appearances that arise are dependent on each other, which means we are connected with one another, and so we all appear like reflections in a mirror. Who is the one who sees without any attachment or grasping whatsoever? He or she is then the unshakable one. Through the transformation of the all-base, the affliction of anger is completely and perfectly purified. Considering all mental afflictions, it is mainly anger that surges up in the mind and makes us restless. Therefore, the manifestation of completely purified anger is the unshakable one. But that anger had a fury that swallowed me, and this is how I found myself in hell. Oh, I was human all right, feeling wounded, upset, and unwell. Everything triggered me, and it's as if we humans shift a little more. These archetypes were vast, but now I realized I was an outcast. Alone, abandoned, and poor? What more? Who was I other than a human stuck in hell and bound to die? But these cats did not cry. They were too serious to cry even when they came to die. Oh, but why has my life gone awry? And I? I was aware of who it was that would someday come to die. Now I embodied the one named Geronimo, the man on the edge, pressed too far and bound by a sacred pledge. 
what is best for this world, and what is best for me. I'm lost in hell because there are so many stuck in suffering, and no one seems to realize that we have to work with our awareness in order to get freed. What we focus on is what we become. And I was in hell because for longer than I cared to remember, I'd always been on the run. And why was I running? And where was I going to? For so long I'd been caught in immense suffering, and for the first time I realized that I might not make it through. Now who was I? I was a human tuning in to realize that far away in the heavenly abode there was that ancient one of days named Indra with divine contemplation. And there the wonderful nut which has been hung by that cunning architect in such a manner that it stretches out infinitely in all directions. In accordance with the extravagant tastes of divine angels and saints, this architect hung a glittering jewel in the eye of the net. And since the mesh itself is infinite in dimensions, the jewels are infinite in number, and that's why it's called Indra's net. There the jewels hang overhead, glittering like stars in supreme magnitude. A wonderful sight to behold, as this light is what the planets are attracted to. If we now arbitrarily select one of these jewels for inspection, and look closely at it, who will discover that in its polished surface there is a mirror-like quality which reflected all the other jewels in the net? Not only that, but each of the jewels are reflected in this one jewel, which is also reflecting in all other jewels, so that there is an infinite reflecting process occurring that always renews. And if I was stuck suffering? then what was the way to change this and get out of hell? When could I realize this jewel-like nature? Or am I living and waiting until the dirt of my life dispels? But who am I? I'm a man looking for a map. Meanwhile, all I know is how death is the end, and I'm aware how humans are caught deep within suffering's trap. But this jewel-like nature, the animals appear like mirrors however fierce they seem to be. They're always dialed into the moment, and even if they live as if they exist only in this moment, this makes them ever free. Even if humans look down upon animals, and even if the animals appear deaf and dumb to the masses, we must see their presence as godlike rather than treating them as trespassers. If untold god realms are reduced to atoms, in one atom are untold lands, and as in one, so in each creature, plant, and man. The atoms to which these godlands are reduced in an instant are unspeakable, and so are the atoms of continuous reduction moment to moment. Going on for untold eons, we are created of the stardust from Indra's net, making this world and all of us in it divine components. These atoms contain lands unspeakable to many, and the atoms in these lands are even harder to come by. But I was still in hell because I realized the entrapment that the souls are suffering through because all life would someday die. This is the human realm, because one minute you're healthy, then the next you're unwell. One day you can be in heaven, then the next your heart breaks and you've landed in hell. The protector named Geronimo knew this, for he was both a brave and an addict, but he too realized this wheel of existence. And now you can see why he couldn't quite kick his addictive habits. Geronimo battled when an army had a plan to come take his ancestors' land, 
because the ignorant men took over the earth and multiplied like rabbits. This ignorance grows and grows, and who knows how far we've wandered from heaven. Now who am I? I'm the one who wants an answer to Geronimo's question. How on earth is any of this fair when the ignorant men and women of this world still have yet to learn this lesson? And if we're human, and our psyche is shifting all about, then who's in control, and how the hell did I end up on this route? I'm sick of this suffering, and I want it to end. How can I be like God? How can I rise above the patterns of this sick world where all beings appear to be condemned? All the layers of my human realm became associated with the element of fire. Distorted by ego, I wanted to express it as passion, but I knew deep down this passion had to be transmuted into discriminating wisdom. My neurotic sense of insufficiency created the ambition to possess particular aspects of this world, which had been separated into class. Since all humans claim their name is theirs, a home is theirs, a land is theirs, but through impermanence, nothing is set to last. Absolve and pass. This fire had a consuming, flaming quality because this short experience took over the earth as our ethics and morals turned to ash. A spurt of energy, a pulse lurking through the land, caught in a cycle of suffering. Now who were we? We were the human man. But is that the beauty of being human? You can be in hell one moment and rising to heaven in the next. Not always the case, but our existence stretches to the bottom of hell and extends us up to the pinnacle of our very best. But how do we get there? And what's the right way to go? Is there a secret word that can get me through that invisible gate? Come on, Indra, tell me what we need to know. Who is this ancient of days that composed this wonder? Yes, the one who is that great composer and grand narrator. You are the Lord of rain and thunder. But how could the truth be composed? It is not the handiwork of man. The truth cannot be ascribed to any human author, since Indra's infinite net is the divine plan. You who created the cycle of time, you who are the knower of its hidden ways, we bow to you who bless this creation of life and all the manifestation that has ever been made. As the power of righteousness diminishes and evil starts to rear its ugly head, may you bring men back to the righteous path and spread the sacred knowledge that is in the Vedas. I pray to Agni, the divine fire. It advances to the front so that it can bring about the welfare of men. It is Agni who makes sacrifice a success, and this is a sacrifice of the lower human that is being performed according to the rites of the fresh seasons. Agni is the prosperous one. The fire wills to summon the one to this sacrifice. O Agni, this is a non-violent sacrifice that is being performed. Make it successful from every direction. May we be able to attain the proximity of God so that man may reform. You are that messenger. You are the one who inspires learned men to action. O Agni, many are your forms and you are always truthful in your reactions. You are the radiant one who has performed wondrous deeds. O Agni, come to the sacrifice of the lower man with the other divine beings so that the creatures will find what we need. 
I paused for a moment, because I had just now realized I spoke from my heart. These verses were not of my making, and so I allowed another incantation without comprehension to start. O Vayu, divine spirit of the wind, you are the one who is fit to be seen. Come here, the Soma juice has been prepared for you. Drink the Soma and listen to our prayers so that the elements of this land may be redeemed. I offer what is in my canteen, which had been basking in the moonlight, taking in the aura of the stars throughout this dark night. I crushed up some of the fine herbs I had gathered, then I offered up this drink. The prayers continued through my heart-mind connection when my intuition's whisper continued to automatically think. O Vayu, these great words are being addressed to you. You are the Great One. You are the one who grants great boon. We desire that you may drink this Soma juice on this auspicious day. O Indra, O Vayu, this Soma juice has been prepared for what your holy breath has made. Take great care and come here. The Soma juice wishes to be united with you. O Vayu, you and Indra know well the wonderful properties of this Soma juice. You are the ones who have an abundance of riches and food grains. Come here quickly, O Vayu. You and Indra are the leaders of all glory and fame. You are always in the forefront. Use your wisdom to come here quickly. Accept the Soma juice that has been extracted. I call upon the powerful being Mitra. I call upon Varuna, who is the destroyer of enemies. Through their benevolent wisdom, may they enable our tasks to be completed. Mitra and Varuna are always connected with truth. They are the ones who enhance the truth when all others are depleted. They will use the power of truth to make the sacrifice a success. Mitra and Varuna are omnipresent. They are learned and powerful. They will provide us the strength that will inspire us to action when others choose to rest. O oh friends, you who are desirous of performing a sacrifice, come here and be seated. Sing the praise of the great Indra. When you are seated and have begun to extract the Soma juice, praise the wonderful qualities of the great Indra. He is the one who has destroyed many enemies. He is the one who is the lord of many riches. Indra will certainly grant us an abundance of all spiritual riches. Indra will grant us riches and great wisdom. He will come to us with an abundant supply of food. When there is a battle, Enemies are not even able to touch Indra's four horses. His chariot cannot be touched. Sing his praise. This is the justice that the world deserves, and it will be united with Indra. O oh, Indra, you are the performer of wonderful deeds. You are the great one who drinks the Soma juice, who gives all beings what they need. You become great, and so we call upon you to perform these wonderful deeds. O oh, Indra, you are the one who deserves to be praised. May the Soma juice, which is the source of inspiration, be united with you. May it gladden your heart, O brave one. You are the performer of several wondrous deeds from creation's start. May these hymns enhance your greatness and increase your fame. May our words be heard as a prayer to your name. O Indra, you have unlimited power to protect partake of these offerings of food. In these offerings can be found all forms of strength. O Indra, 
You are the one who deserves to be praised. May the soldiers of the enemy not be able to harm our bodies. You are the Lord of all that there is. Please keep the weapons of the enemies at a distance, and if we must rise, we fight as spiritual protectors, as instruments of God's holy resistance. The wind began to speak, and I couldn't tell where it started or where it came from, but the cats and I listened as if the elements of nature had heard the incantation that my heart-mind has sung. Now the thing I realized about being human is that I had just discovered an inner whisper that did not want to fade. Somehow that anger was gone, and now I was aware of a certain whisper that I prayed would stay. If one is lucky, a solitary fantasy can transform one million realities, said the whisper. Now this feeling was like a whisper within me, but who was I? Certainly I was a man in a body, but what was this whisper that had no birth and could not be harmed or die? My human awareness was sensitive to everything far and near, from planets, galactic mass, and the moon. My emotions embraced this gentle tenderness and compassion, but had no reason to feel fear. Humans have become so affected by the content of our technology and devices. We are constricted by the things schools cram into our heads, and so we are the manifestations of the things we think which guide how we act. We become the words, sentences, and gossip we may spread. I waited for the wind when a question came to arise within. I sat upon the earth in a meditative posture, and there I asked the question which came from the source of this intuitive wisdom. I'm aware of this intuition, but where is this inner voice coming from? And where are you finding all these answers at just the right time? How are you so keen on knowing all this wisdom? When you hear it rhyme, know it as a weaver. This wisdom is a transmission, and you're like my antenna and receiver. Wherever you are, I'm listening through you, and the person you think yourself to be is the one who gets to choose. Know that we are not apart, but rather I offer up insight as a reminder. I am your intuition, or the anima, and she is the soul within all beings calling out with the hopes that someone finds her," she said. But what is the source for all this wisdom you seem to know? And should I question it, or should I accept it as the truth that you bestow? Don't accept and don't reject. Don't hold on and don't let go. Simply observe how we are one of the same, and through this journey, both of us grow. This wisdom has been cultivated by many, in many forms and languages around the world. This wisdom is clear light that descends through the mind stream by the arrangement of words. Now if you wish to follow along, then I'll show you just where to look. Reach into the medicine man's bag, and there you'll find a book," said the whisper of the intuition. I reached into the bag, for this was the medicine man's pouch that I took, and there my fingers found pages stacked together, for this was an old sacred book. The wind tugged at the pages, there my eyes followed while the intuition took the lead. Just as my eyes observed, I heard her whisper, Open and read. The human realm that we stand in seems to have two possibilities. One is actual human life 
which contains tremendously open karmic possibilities in which we could function intelligently. You can make choices to study, work, meditate or pray and in which we could change the karmic situation as we evolve to guide our fate. But the other type of possibility in the human realm is an extreme case of chaos. From extreme chaos related with passion, this extreme human realm begins to develop at a certain cost. Now an interesting thing to observe is how although the animal realm has a reflection and connection to God, the human realm seems to have a process of grasping or extreme clinging in which a certain amount of intelligence functions with human laws. This intelligence is a sense of logical, reasoning mind functions, and the reasoning mind is always geared towards trying to create happiness and pleasurable situations. And there is an immediate tendency to separate the pleasure and the experience of the pleasure through the mind's evaluation. There is also a sense of being lost, a sense of poverty, accompanied by nostalgia, trying to recreate past pleasurable situations as well. This is a result of an extreme dualistic split. Projections are regarded as the ultimate answer to bring about some kind of comfort, and therefore you feel inadequate as the projector, and this is a kind of hell. You are not strong enough or magnetic enough to draw these extremes of external pleasure into your realm. So we try our best to draw them in. Often there is a tendency in humans to be very critical. We see others as imperfect, and we begin to see our own situation as one of perfecting. Achieving ideal perfection becomes a fantastic sensational target to reach, so there is a constant striving. Rather than being right here now, we are thinking we must work at something before we can experience the present arriving. The human realm is associated with the mentality of magnetizing. Selective magnetizing, in which we seek to magnetize the best qualities, the highest or most pleasurable situations, the most sophisticated and most civilized observations. That style of magnetizing is quite different from the magnetizing process involved in the realm of the jealous idols beneath the realm of God. The human realm contains so much selection and also the rejection of certain things as not our style. There is a tremendous sense that you have your own ideology, and you have your own style, and you magnetize situations in order to enrich your basic being. That way of magnetizing has to be precise. So in this case, the human realm seems to be extremely selective and fussy. We wish to have the right balance of everything. Humans want to be in control, and many rise up to run the day. But the cause of suffering and pain can be due to the conditioning of expecting all things to go our way. The human realm is also accompanied by a comparative intellectual understanding of others. On one hand, others may have your style. On the other hand, other people may not meet your taste, so they could be criticized and condemned. Another possibility is that they might meet your style, or they might be much better at your style and you believe this makes them more superior to you or to other men and women. Humans wish to be one of those people who are much more intelligent and have very refined taste. They are leading pleasurable lives or getting the right things you would like to have, but they've actually managed to do it 
even at the cost of great waste. Humans can become very envious. They seem to have gotten everything together, and you would like to be one of them. This has the quality of grasping, as this mentality is based on trying to draw others in. So it is more than just envy. It is more than jealousy. It is ambitious jealousy. Or you could say it is realistic jealousy where we often condemn. You do not just become jealous of a person, but you would like to compete with them. The whole process is always one of grasping, holding on to something or attaching onto high ideals. Of course, spiritual humans hold on to the higher spiritual truths of those who have achieved. This is when an intellectual refers to earned wisdom, which in turn creates a block preventing the ways our world can heal. And often, people who are in the realm of human beings have visions or identify themselves with Christ, Buddha, Krishna, Muhammad, or whoever. Historical beings mean a tremendous amount to you because they have achieved something. They have magnetized everything that you can possibly think of, be it grace, fame, compassion, or power. With our religions, we would like to be someone just like that. One religion might condemn another faith, and it could go beyond just turning one's back. Such crusades have even taken place when a religious coup defies their own principles when they enter into battle where they kill and attack. Such a competitive aptitude of the human realm is overwhelming. It seems that the whole process of approaching things from this angle is based on magnetizing. That is why the human realm stresses the idea of knowledge, learning, educating, collecting a wealth of wisdom of all kinds, be it scientific or philosophical, and it is based on intellect. Now the human realm is the highest point of the six realms of the world that range from God to hell. The human realm has the greatest potential or quality of achieving or creating a monument of the rest of the six realms. One of the ideals of materialistic society, ambitious society, is to try to create the greatest or biggest or largest or the longest historical monument, trying to break records with speed. That kind of heroic approach is based on magnetizing, but it is a manifestation of the giant ego of humans. Such a heroic approach is also based on fascination because you encounter such intellectual understanding, meeting with remarkable people. It is also based on self-consciousness as to what you do not possess. When you hear that somebody else possesses something, you might regard yourself as insignificant. And when you hear that somebody is significant, that impresses you. This competition is the fixed state of the human realm. It is based on continual thought processes, which will never end because there is so much going on in your mind as a result of collecting so many things and as a result of so many plans to be made. The extreme state of the human realm is that you are stuck in an absolute traffic jam of discursive thoughts. It is extremely busy and there is no end to it. One cannot really relate with any kind of learning or develop anything at all. Various kinds of stuff churns out and the mind cannot quite get with it. All kinds of ideas and plans and hallucinations and dreams churn out constantly. It is quite different from the realm of God, where you are completely absorbed in a blissful state. 
and you have a kind of self-snug satisfaction. In the human realm, there seems to be much more thought processes happening. The thinking process takes place much more actively. The intellectual or logical mind becomes so powerful that one is completely overwhelmed by all kinds of possibilities magnetizing new things. You are trying to get hold of new situations and new ideas, along with all kinds of strategies that you might employ, as well as case histories, as well as quotations from the books that you have read, as well as the overwhelming incidents that have happened in your life. The things recorded in your unconscious begin to play back all the time, much more so than in other realms. So the humans exist in a very intelligent realm, which makes it extremely busy and extremely dissatisfied at the same time. The other realms seem to have a kind of occupation that you can hang on to, and you begin to get satisfied with it, whereas in the case of the human realm, there is little satisfaction. There is a constant searching, a constant looking for a new situation to improve on a given situation. On one hand, the human realm seems to be a rather intelligent situation. At the same time, it is the realm which is the least enjoyable, because suffering is not regarded as an occupation in the human realm, but suffering is a way of challenging yourself. So a constant reminder or ambition is created from the suffering. And so we ask as the student, what's the right thing to do? And a teacher says, why are you looking for the right thing to do? And now I thought of where I was at, and I said, well, I'm looking for the right thing to do because I feel that I'm in the wrong situation because I don't have peace of mind. Why do you want peace of mind? Asked the voice in my intuition. Because my mind is disturbed. And in other words, you, as a disturbed mind, are trying to find peace of mind. And this quest for peace of mind is the same thing as having a disturbed mind. Now if you don't have a disturbed mind, you won't ask for peace of mind, she said. Well, how can I quiet my mind? Now this teaching came in a sort of silence. It tried to guide me to locate the center through all these layers. And this could not be explained, but rather it is done. This teaching was a dialogue, even if it was silent in my head, because the ideas and emotions were layers of my very being, and the whole teaching was a journey. This journey was like someone who went out of society and gave up the world, found what one is searching for, and then this going away from society is the same aspect of coming back into the true nature of reality. This superior insight, this is inherent wisdom. This teaching is a method, not a doctrine. The key with all realms is to be able to see situations clearly as they are, without being colored by what you want to see, what you'd like to see, what would be helpful for us to see, but just things as they are directly and simply. Then we begin to lose any ambition involved in the different realms of the world. Each realm has its own style of ambition, so stepping out is the absence of ambition, which is not colored by present confusion. We don't see things as they are. We see things as we are. Word for word, she led me through that book, and by some miracle, all this wisdom was revealed because of the medicine bag that I took. The intuition was much smarter than I, 
for who was I after all? I was a spiritual being having a human experience, and someday this human experience would cease and die.